All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And James chapter 1 and verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Um, I'm not intending to park here, but verse 12 is a very encouraging verse. Uh, how many of you know temptation is hard? You know, it, it's, it's, when you're fighting temptation, it's a battle. It, it appeals sometimes to every fiber of your being. And uh, to say no to sin sometimes is hard. And, and, and the Lord knows that. And he understands that when we say no to sin, we're saying, we love you, Lord, more than we love sin. Because if we're honest, there's a part of us that loves sin. Uh, the Bible says the pleasures of sin are for a season. That's what draws us to sin. I'm encouraged by the Lord understanding that about us. I'm also encouraged uh, by the fact that we can receive a crown for resisting temptation. This crown of life is the same crown we read about in the book of Revelation where those that have lost their lives... They have, they have resisted temptation unto death. They've said to the world, you'll kill me before I give in to what you're asking me to do. And in most cases, that is to deny Christ. And so that's also the crown of life. So the Lord understands these things. And I believe the verse is a great encouragement. Look at verse 13. James goes on to say, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So God doesn't dangle sin in front of us. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. And the Bible says in verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then notice verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So what I want us to get this, this morning, among other things, is that sin is part of the process of death. Death came into the world because of the very first sin that Adam and Eve committed. And so every sin has an element of death in it. And so uh, we're better off when we don't sin, folks, all the way around. And uh, we're worse for it when we do because we're partaking to one degree or another in death. And I think we all understand death is not a happy thing. And uh, notice here, lust, sin, and death. There's your LSD. And verse 16, he says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Now, all this seems like a simple concept. And so you'd say, why make much of it? But James says it right there, don't err. Don't err. We can fool ourselves about sin. And like I said before, because there's a part of us that loves it. Uh, there are sins that appeal to me that would have no appeal to you. And there are sins that you might partake, partake in. And I would look at that and go, I, I don't even get it. But uh, 
we're warned about these things because God understands how we're attracted to sin. And so uh, we're warned here, and we're warned about this process of death. Lust, verse 15, sin, verse 15, and then it brings forth death. Imagine somebody standing in front of you holding a bottle of poison, and they're sipping from it. And they keep remarking during the conversation, I feel sick. I feel sick. What do you think you would say? You would say, hey, what, what are you drinking? <laughs> and why are you drinking that? You, it's pretty obvious why you feel sick. You're drinking poison. And um, folks, I see a lot of Christians doing the same thing with sin. Uh, we have this mental health crisis in our country. And I'm afraid a lot of Christians aren't immune to it. And a lot of it is because of our hedonistic, indulgent culture where it's all about me. I mean, even truth is what I say it is in this current culture. And then Christians thinking they can just play around with sin without suffering the consequences of it. So if you were guessing this morning that this is a sin-killing message, then you guessed right. That's where I hope we're going, by the grace of God, doing some sin-killing. Someone once said, you may be playing with sin, but sin is not playing with you. Now, let me show you a little tendency in human nature, a human tendency that we all have that we need to push back against, fight against, be aware of, lest we fall prey to it. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I think one of the important things we can always do when we're tempted is think of the end of sin, the end of sin, not, not what's being dangled in front of us during temptation. That's, that's the appealing part. You get past that, then you get into the pile of bones that is the death of that sin. And, and I think of in the book of Proverbs, when, we're, when, when the, uh, the writer talks about the strange woman and warning the young man, he says, her end is bitter as wormwood. Now, her lips are smoother than oil, that's the front end appeal, but her end is bitter as wormwood. And I think until we start looking at sin that way, we're going to be easy prey for it. Now, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24, the Bible says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Uh, you have no idea how God's had to work in my life over 45 years to help me to be as much about that as possible as a pastor. Uh, my background is construction work. My recreation is ice hockey. <laughs> uh, enough said there. But um, then he goes on to say in verse 25, in meekness, now watch what he says here, instructing those that oppose themselves. Now, when you look at the rest of the verse, you realize he's talking about lost people. 
And you've probably met some lost folk that have the gospel sitting right there in front of them, but they will bring up argument after argument after argument against getting saved and benefiting themselves by being relieved of the burden of their sin. You know what the Bible says? They are opposing themselves. Now, don't think that we as Christians can't do similar. Now, we may have gotten past that hurdle and trusted Christ, but when it comes to this business of sin, we can be our own worst enemy sometimes. And that's the kind of thing I want to point out this morning and, and spend time on and hopefully enlighten us about. He says here, if God peradventure, verse 25, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. God wants to give them that, but some oppose themselves. They fight against it, and in so doing, they're really hurting themselves. It's the old saying, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And so then he says, verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And so uh, when we oppose ourselves, we are playing into the hands of the enemy and doing ourselves great harm. Let's look at another verse, and this is, this is directly at us as Christians, but it ties in. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I don't think I will get through this entire message this morning, so I will not try to cram it all in and go fast. I think we'll just finish it up at a later date, get as far into it as we possibly can here. But 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, I, I said to you not too long ago that preachers make the mistake of short-selling the, the scriptures in a message so they can get in what they want to say. I think it should be just the opposite. I just think it, I just think it should be just the opposite. If, if you want to walk out of here any day you want and say, you know what, all that guy get, does is get up there and read us Bible. He doesn't tell us a lot of nice, clever stories that entertain us. Um, you can insult me that way anytime you like, okay? Because in the end, my job is to give you the word of God because that's going to do you the most good. That good feeling when you hear the clever story and get entertained will wear off before you get outside this building. So let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse 11. And, and Peter is definitely talking to Christians, because look what he says here. Dearly beloved, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, okay, He's beseeching them on the basis of the fact that we are strangers and pilgrims. We are not at home, folks. We are not at home. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been out of the country and you've been to a particular country for the first time, especially a country where you don't have a clue about their language. Uh, when I go to Mexico, I, I pick up things, and believe it or not, after two, three work, th two or three weeks, I can be fairly conversant. And it makes me feel more comfortable. I go to South America, the same thing. I go to a place like the Ukraine uh, when I've had opportunity to go there. And, and, or, or in Austria, in Germany, when 
I mean, there's not the first thing that I understand, not one word, um, especially German. I, I don't know what it is. You know, we would have a fork, F-O-R-K, and in German, it's not a fork. It's a flugen, blugen, mischgen, nugen, forken, nugen. <laughs> you know, it's like a paragraph. Why not just call it a fork? <laughs> And you know, when you go to a foreign country, if you have any smarts about you, you're going to be a little bit circumspect. You're going to realize, hey, I'm in a place here where I don't understand all the customs. I don't understand all the norms. I don't know everything that's expected of me. I don't know what to watch out for uh, if somebody's trying to take me. And uh, so you're just a little more careful. And that's what Peter is saying here. He's saying, I'm beseeching you, verse 11, as strangers and pilgrims. Christian, don't get the attitude when it comes to the world's game. Don't get the attitude, I got this. I got this. It seems modern Christianity is all about just showing how clever you can be, nuzzling up with the world, and still being a Christian. Like you can play with snakes and never get bit. You can pet lions and never get mauled. You can poke the bear in the eye and you won't get hurt. And look how clever we are that we can do this. And folks, it's, it's playing with disaster is what it is. And so Peter says he's beseeching us as strangers and pilgrims. Be careful. You're in a strange land as a Christian. This world, Paul said, this whole world lies in darkness. He calls it this present evil world. Now, I don't want you walking outside here today trembling and, and, and looking like a deer staring into the headlights, but I don't want you being comfortable with sin and the philosophies of the world like the idea, as I said earlier, well, I got this. Don't worry about it, man. I know what it takes. I mean, you're, you know, you're looking at the guy with all the IQ here. And by the way, you're not going to outsmart the devil. You're not going to outsmart sin. You're not going to outsmart your flesh. You're not going to outsmart your flesh. So Peter warns us here, and notice what he says. He says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, now watch the result of these fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. There are certain things, if we participate in them, they are going to war against our soul. And if we participate in them enough, or as the old timers used to say, they'd say practicing sin, if we create certain pet sins in our lives that are our continual companions, we're going to be walking around vexed all the time because we're inviting things into our lives that war against our own very soul. And so I want to talk to you this morning about some doors into darkness. And I'm afraid sometimes we as Christians, uh, mostly unknowing, but hopefully after today you'll understand open doors into darkness into our lives by participating in certain sins with a certain gusto and zeal and lack of concern for the seriousness of it. And, and so we're warned about these things. Lust 
sin and then death. And just remember that as LSD. So we have a generation of Christians that are walking around and they are essentially saying, hey, I feel sick. I feel sick. I don't feel right. What's wrong? And a lot of them are walking on God because they'll come to church and they come in vexed and then preaching against their sin because they're unrepentant just makes them more vexed. So they come to the mistake conclusion. The solution is to rid themselves of all conviction and just dive into this sin 100%. And they fall deeper into Satan's Venus flytrap. Doors into darkness. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's a process. Death is part of the process that sin brought to us with the fall of Adam and Eve. The Bible says whosoever committeth sin, the words of Jesus, is the servant of sin. Let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 8 and let's look at the very words of Christ regarding this. John chapter 8 and verse 30. The Bible says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, <clears throat> then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the what? Servant of sin. I think it's so ironic sometimes when people rebel against God because they want to be free to sin. And the reality of it is, is what they're doing is they're jumping straight into real bondage by doing that. Folks, uh, if you're a parent, if you've raised any children or you're raising children, you know there's times you have to say no to your children for their good. Something they want to do would harm them. Folks, that's God. That's God. God is our father. He's a, he's a great parent. And um, so he says no to certain things. And Jesus says, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So we have that process of lust, sin, and death. We have this process of servitude, bondage, if you will. And um, in the Bible says, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Free of what? Free from sin, folks. Free to have not only the penalty of sin taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, but free to walk in light instead of darkness. Free to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And part of that is victory over sin, and that's what Christ is talking about here. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 32 that be sure your sin will find you out. And so uh, let me say this up front. We're going to talk about some doors into darkness. And uh, you're probably going to find yourself in some of these. 
And I'm going to say this to you right off the bat. Don't throw in the towel. That's what 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 is all about. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hit God's reset button, folks. Hit God's reset button. Don't dig in. Don't say, I don't see it. Don't say, well, it's not bothering me yet. Don't say, well, I got this. I can handle it. Just come clean with God. And he wants to cleanse you, and he wants to give you grace in all of this and give you a fresh start. And so, like I said, if you find yourself in any of this, just go to God. He's abundant in his forgiveness. Uh, think of the contrast between righteousness and sin, life and death, innocence and guilt, light and darkness, hope and despair, the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh, love versus hate, God versus Satan, strength versus weakness. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Folks, that's not how we want our life to be characterized. We want it to be characterized by just the opposite. And so when we see what sin produces and we are warned over and over again in God's word, it shouldn't surprise us if we practice sin, as the old timers talked about, uh, we're going to be depressed and empty and hopeless and maybe even suicidal at times. And like I said before, there's a lot of Christians that quit being a Christian, so to speak, because they feel bad all the time. And part of that feeling bad is they're messing with sin and, and they want to be able to have the peace of God and joy and all the things that come with walking in light when they're in fact walking in darkness. Now I understand there's other reasons people can fight with depression. There can be seasonal things and not all are self-inflicted. Job was attacked by the devil he got down about that, no question about it. Peter talks about manifold temptations. How about out-and-out -out persecution? For that, just read Fox's Book of Martyrs. And uh, also understand mental illness and chronic uh, physical illness can lead to some of these things. But folks, um, when we're just diving in headlong into something that's described with all the adjectives that are connected to death and darkness and that which is against God and for Satan, then folks, um, we're just, we're becoming our own worst enemy and we're opening, do opening doors into darkness on ourselves. And I want us to avoid that. Um, uh, I understand all these other ways we can be uh, depressed or discouraged or feeling bad, but I believe this business of opening doors into darkness on ourselves is underappreciated and is too often hiding in plain view in today's Christian culture. 
The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And if you're participating in sin and playing around with it, then it's dragging you down. And that's probably what you're feeling. You're experiencing the feeling of dying. Experiencing the feeling of dying. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know how old I was, I think a young teenager, and a program came, came on that everybody seemed like they were talking about. And it was called Dark Shadows. And it was a stupid soap opera that had, had some dark overtones of the occult and, and Satanism and, and witchcraft and things like that. Folks, it's gotten to the point now with stuff like Twilight, we got girls, Christian girls, reading novels about this stuff and getting all twinkle-dusted about some girl and falling in love with some soulless vampire. How's that going to work out for you? How's that going to work out for you? When you're right at the critical time and the crossroads of your life, when you got to be making some of the most important decisions you'll ever make outside of salvation and that who you're going to be married to. And you're watching and reading junk like that. Folks, that's where we've gone in our culture today, folks. And um, those things are emblems of today's culture. I think another emblem is how popular Halloween is compared to Christmas and Thanksgiving. Folks, I think of all three of those uh, holidays, Halloween should be out the window, and, and Christmas should be at the top, and Thanksgiving should be right behind but Thanksgiving has turned into nothing more than uh, Turkey Day and, and football, as far as people are concerned. And, and that's where our culture is going. It's gravitating to the dark side. And so consequently, we've got to be on our guard to doors into darkness. And let's start with the first one, which is the occult. And you say, why would you preach to Christians about the occult? Well, because I'm watching Christians get into things that at least rub shoulders with the occult, if not outright. And folks, you want to talk about a stupid idea. You want to talk about a stupid idea. Just take that stick and poke God in the eye with it. You talk about a stupid idea. I mean... Uh, I don't think there's anybody here stupid enough to try to go find a grizzly bear or a polar bear and poke them in the eye with a stick. Uh, you'd be better off doing that than poking God in the eye with Satan worship. But people do it. They do it in the pursuit of power, and they do it in the pursuit of the wrong power. And this current culture dresses it up and tries to make it seem innocent, humorous, entertaining, uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, folks, we're to stand against Satan. Not play around at his shrines. We are to stand against him, folks. You know, well, it's, you know, you can get really great power. I was talking to a guy that professed to be a Satanist one time on an airplane and was witnessing to him on and off during the, during the flight. And, um, Finally, I just said to him, I said, well, well, what's the appeal here? What's the deal? And he talked about power. And I said, well, give me an example. And you know, most of it, when you read the literature and talk to people, it's, 
you know, uh, some, some teenage girl, some girl stole her boyfriend so she can put a hex on her and, you know, she'll have many bad hair days every month or something. I, I mean, come on. But this guy told me, he said he was in a seance and, and there was like a group of people and they got together and, and they actually got a table to move. They got a table to move. You ready for this? <laughs> you ready for this? I got a bad hip right now. <clears throat> Pretty impressive, isn't it? <laughs> I've seen people get into this dark stuff because they think it makes them seem real bad and scary. And I feel sorry for people that are into it. I feel sorry for people that think because they're into Satan, they're all bad and scary. I'm not scared by that. You get into Satan, you're following a loser, folks. I read the end of the book, folks. He ends up in a lake of fire, and God rules and reigns forever and ever. And the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Folks, we are in that evil day, and we are to fight. We're to put on all of the armor of God, and he says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Folks, we are to stand against Satan, not partner up with him in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to identify with him in my speech. I don't want to identify with him in my dress. I don't want to identify with him in my philosophy or my thoughts. I don't want to be sympathetic with him in anything, folks. Uh, all the devil wants to do with you is, is entrap you, play with you, torment you, and then discard you when he's done being amused by you and laugh at you when it's all said and done. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Watch out for a fascination of reading about things in the occult, human sacrifices and terrible things done on Halloween and so forth. Watch out for that sick human fascination for those things because that can begin to draw you in the bible says in colossians chapter one who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son as a christian you've been delivered from the power of darkness here's another door into darkness horror movies horror movies and this one seems to be less obvious to a lot of people. Um, I, I don't know whether it's the, the uh, um, adrenaline rush. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not into amusement park rides too much. You know, the really fast ones where, you know, your intestines are wrapped around your head when you're done. Um, I, you know, I... <laughs> I've got other problems I don't need to be paying for them and getting in line and doing that. But, you know, it's the same type of thing. It's, it's the adrenaline addiction. I think people sitting there 
uh, watching horror movies, and, and the ante just keeps going up and up and up and up until, you know, Frankenstein is not enough. <laughs> How many of you are old enough to remember Frankenstein walking around? Big clumsy guy. He never scared me. You could hear him coming a mile away with those big boots. Uh, I never worried too much about Godzilla and King Kong because you'd hear all the buildings falling before they got there. I always worried about the one that was hiding under my bed or in the closet. You know, the quiet ones you couldn't see. But good night, folks. Uh, monsters hiding in dark places isn't enough anymore. There's got to be gore. There's got to be Satanism. Uh, there has to be actual Satanic chants that could bring bad spirits into your very home and life. Why would you fool with that? Man, I, I've dealt with young people that got binge-watching this horror movie stuff, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> they're suicidal, and they don't know why. Well, that's the person standing there with a bottle of poison, drinking it in front of you and saying, I feel sick. Uh, that's what's going to happen, folks. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, poltergeist, demon spirits. And you may be opening doors that you may not be able to close someday. And so consequently, people open doors into darkness on themselves with that business of horror movies, novels of that nature. Read something that uplifts Read something that inspires. You want to watch a movie? Watch How Green Is My Valley or Chariots of Fire or something like that. A true story where somebody does something right and gets blessed for it. You know, thrill yourself that way, folks. Horror movies. The Bible says, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil uh, fruit. Uh, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And you can't tell this morning that the fruit of watching horror movies is to invite horror and anxiety into your life. Come on, folks. Come on, folks. We're talking about doors into darkness. We'll look at a couple more here real quick. Here's another one, drugs. You say, well, that's an obvious one, preacher. Not to a lot of people anymore. Oh, gosh, we legalized marijuana. Look at all the problems we solved with that. <laughs> I, I heard a kid, overheard another kid talking to another kid, bragging about how much more THC the current marijuana has than the stuff we were smoking in the 60s and the 70s. And I just butted into the conversation. I said, yeah, kid. I said, what took us 18 months to become psychotic, you can accomplish in six. <laughs> Congratulations. And that's going so good now. There's discussions about the peyote and, and the mushrooms and the LSD. And, you know, in states like Oregon and, and Washington, where you can't stop the heroin, let's just give it to them and make it legal. Yeah, that's going to work out really good, I'm sure. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that they repented not of their sorceries. They repented not of their drug use. And so we have it going on and on. And the idea here is legalize it and it'll be okay. The Bible says enter not into the path of the wicked. 
and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. I was dealing with a man one time that was having all kinds of emotional and psychological issues, professing Christian, and he never admitted this to me, but I found out through the grapevine he'd been smoking marijuana, and I really felt, felt like that was part of his problem. And I remember one day I just texted him. I said, bro, I said, get off the grass. That's all I said. Bro, get off the grass. And he did. And he started getting some victory. Folks, you can't mess around with that stuff without getting into big problems. I was watching something on YouTube not too long ago. They were talking about LSD and different experience, you know, and they, they encourage themselves how to do it and how to have a good trip. And they're talking about different entities you can meet when you're tripping. And they're talking about demons and demon spirits. And they're talking about evil clowns and stuff like that. And, 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 and entities that stare you down with wicked eyes and stuff like that. What in the world, man? That's, that's insanity on a blotter. That's insanity in a pill. Why would you want to induce that into your life? Drugs, folks. Drugs. How about rock music? Rock music. We've talked much in the past about it. We'll talk more about it in the future. But, uh, folks, um, we're talking about music with hypnotic beats. We're talking about music with satanic themes. We're talking about music that's openly blasphemous. Uh, take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 3. You listen to that stuff. I mean, come on, man. Uh, Slipknot. Yeah, you, you're, you're going to feel good about life while listening to Slipknot a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's going to make you feel good about getting up in the morning. Um, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 Look at verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Then look at 16. Notice the connection between God's peace ruling in your heart and music. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You want to improve your outlook on life? Get rid of that trash. Get rid of that junk, that rock music, that heavy metal stuff, that songs about fornication, songs about Satan, songs about rebellion and anger. Filling your heart with anger. <coughs> oh yeah, and country western music that talks about all my exes live in Texas <laughs> and alcohol. And I go, well, all these guys are patriotic. That's, that's nice bait for you, isn't it? That's the bait. That causes you to swallow the hook, folks. That causes you to swallow the hook. And, and, and start singing this stuff here in verse 16. Unto the Lord. You think that other music is good? Then sing it to God. Go ahead. Sing a Black Sabbath song to God. Sing a Metallica song to God. Sing a Merle Haggard to, to God, I suppose, or whoever else. See, see what he thinks of it. How about this right here? How about <coughs> psalms, hymns, 
spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That'd help, you, uh, that, that'd help your outlook on life, wouldn't it? That'd help your mental state. That'd cheer you up. I guarantee you, folks. I guarantee you, folks. And, and all we're doing in this country is legalizing things like drugs and, and promoting these rock bands and stuff. When David Bowie died, you would have thought somebody important had passed, someone who actually did something for somebody. That poor idiot didn't know what he was. He didn't, and never mind gender, he didn't know if he was animal, animal, vegetable, or mineral. And it's like the English poet Alexander Pope once said, he said, vice is a monster of such awful mean that to be hated needs but to be seen. But seen too oft, familiar of face, we first endure, then we pity, then we embrace. <coughs> Doors into darkness. Well, we're not going to finish this morning anyways. We're running out of time. And I know you want me to go to alcohol and cover that one right away. But we'll have to wait till next time. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the warnings. We don't always like them. Our flesh rebels against that sort of thing. And Lord, sometimes in our stubbornness and self-will, we go against what you say and we oppose ourselves. And we participate in fleshly lusts which war against our very own souls. Help us, Lord, to repent of these things and to walk with you and to walk in light and realize, Lord, these warnings in Scripture are for our good, for our admonition, that while, Lord, we are delivered from the eternal penalty of sin, We are not immune from its dark effects on our lives if we play around with it. Help us, Lord, to take these things to heart and cease to open doors into darkness, but rather open doors into the light, into the light of you and the light of your word, which always dispels darkness. For we pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 399, number 399. Side and-
Brother Ken Doty, would you please come up here and close us in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for not only saving us, thank you for the Word of God, we thank you, Father, for preaching, we thank you, Father, for the words of encouragement, but Father, those doors of darkness, things that the wicked one wants to let us in our lives to get us off the track, to get us, to get us somewhere where we shouldn't belong. So, Father, thank you for, the, for that protection. Father, thank you for the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we, when we do mess up, when we do get in a place, he shows us we're wrong. And, and thank you for 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Father, you're just a, the perfect Father, and you've, uh, you do that every day for us. And you just keep directing us and, and with the Word and the Holy Spirit and your charity and kindness. So be with us today. Let us go out into highways and byways and compel them to come in. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.